Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hi, everybody. I'm Cassidy, one of your Indianapolis Colts cheerleaders, and you're watching the Believe in Colts podcast. Welcome back to Believe in Colts. I'm Lawrence Owen. With me, as usual, is my guy, Gerard Powers. And today, for our Colts-Texans game preview week one, we have special guest, Lara Overton. How are you doing today? Hey, doing great. We're this much closer to playing a regular season football game, opening things up within the division. Doesn't get much better than that. Absolutely. Gerard? Yeah, uh, just to kick things off, not going to waste too much time uh, with it. Uh, me knowing now that you are a Indiana graduate, what was the feels or what, what was going through your head in last week's game if you got a chance to watch it? Oh, my gosh. I did. I did have a chance to watch. And it's one of those where as an as an Indiana fan, as long as I have been and an Indiana alum, you almost always pull back your expectations. You know, you get excited, but you don't let yourself get too excited because you're like, nope, I've been heartbroken too many times. I've been through this. We've been so close. And then to see them pull it off, I was like, Oh, it, it, it was almost like, did that really happen? I had to look, you know, look back. Like I was like, no, it's going to get called back. They're going to say no TD, whatever it was. So I needed like four or five replays before I was convinced that, that they actually got the victory. But so excited for Tom Allen. I covered IU when I was working in local news and, and got to cover several seasons under Tom. And he's such an incredible man and such an incredible coach that I just kept thinking, like, they're going to get over this hump. Like, they had such a good thing going in 2020. They had great momentum. And then the wheels just came off last season. So you're really hopeful that they can start to kind of get back to more of the consistency, the level that they were back in 2020. And that was a really good way to start. But I'll say, guys, starting off within the Big Ten Conference is just brutal. Like, what happened to those, like, openers where, you you know, you have – well, I mean, Appalachian State is a bad one to, to reference for Michigan fans. Uh, but, you know, where you have those out-of-conference starter games because, man, it is brutal to go in. I mean, Illinois is a highly motivated football team, right? Like, they're trying to build that program back up. So, I, I will. I was like a little bit of uh, heart attack Hoosiers for a bit, but <laughs> so excited uh, about the team and always, like, really rooting for them and rooting for Tom and love everything that he's about any investment that he's made in Indiana football and because it's been so long overshadowed as a basketball program. I'm, I'm going to be rooting for Indiana a little bit this year. The running back, uh, Shivers, number eight. I know he went viral off a hit, uh, getting, getting de-cleated, uh, but he's a, he's a good uh, a, a friend of mine. Well, I guess I'm a mentor of his. Uh, he was at Auburn, and uh, one of his mentors was my agent uh, while I was in the league. So I've been following him since he was like, a baby and uh just excited to see him get his opportunity at Indiana. oh so love I'll be, that i'll be watching indiana this year for sure good we need we need as many people rooting for the hoosiers as we can get right gotcha <laughs> absolutely but in this show we are going to be breaking down the indianapolis colts and houston texans and don't forget that you can go ahead and drop some money on this if that's your thing because bet online is the fastest and easiest way to rate wager on all of your favorite sports contests events with first-to-market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, even golf. Bet Online continues to be the top online source for all your sports information from live in-game betting, props, and futures. Head to Bet Online today and use your mobile device to join and make your first sports deposit. 
Use our promo code BELIEVE50, that's B-L-E-A-V-5-0, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first one. Bet online, where the game starts. So, it's pretty well known. All right, every Colts fan knows what the Indianapolis Colts, they, they've had this problem starting the season off, right? They've had this issue with week one. Not just week one, but in general, but just starting off end up starting out like one and four, one and five, stuff like that. But that week one game has been an issue and a thorn in the Indianapolis Colts side for a long time. And you were there yesterday, uh, obviously, with the interview with with Frank Wright. And, you know, there was this issue where it was brought up. How important is this game? And I'm wondering, a lot of times coaches and, and, and brass of teams – downplay things a little bit then they call it coach speak and in in your specific opinion do you think this is more of that of that or do you think that um him kind of downplaying a little bit it's just it's real because it's a long 17 game season uh and they gotta approach each game kind of with a measure well, the the struggles of week one well predate Frank Reich, well mm-hmm. predate Chris Ballard. So this has been something that has lingered long before they were here at West 56th Street. So mm-hmm. it is it is something that is not necessarily an indictment of their tenure together. It has been a long struggle back since 2013, uh, the last time they won in week one. So you're you're looking at it's fresh blood in here, even from last season. We've seen, you know, n- new faces, Matt Ryan, Unique Ngakwe, Stefan Gilmore, and then also an entirely new defense. So there are the guys, and this is something that Frank referenced. Yeah, there are guys from last year that were part of this team that know how things ended, and they were part of our struggles into the season last year. It might be on their minds, but they got to a point this offseason where it's like, we're just not going to talk about it anymore. We, we realize and we respect that, There's going to be some motivation for the fact you didn't get things done the way you wanted to last season. But I mean, Gerard, that's unless you win the Lombardi, everyone feels that way that we didn't take care of business. I mean, you do have a bit of a chip on your shoulder and something to prove. Right. And it's just at this point, something we don't have to harp on. You have enough strong leadership. You have enough guys who are self-motivated. It's not something that you have to you know, reiterate to them. Michael Pittman Jr. was asked about it early in the week, and he was like, yeah, I've heard about it probably a thousand times. The guys are aware. It's not something you have to have a constant conversation about. I think more of the point this week is the fact that you open up within the division. And I asked Matt Ryan about that yesterday in the locker room. I said, as if you need any added motivation week one, you don't. Everyone's excited to play. Everyone's excited to, you know, get out there on the field for the first time prove what your team's capable of because we know that the Indianapolis Colts were very generic, very vanilla. They didn't show a whole lot in the preseason. So I asked Matt about that. And he said, every time you play within the the division, you're either moving forward or putting somebody else behind, which is always a good thing. I'm excited about it. Excited to get down there. We're all ready. This time of year, it's, there's so much buildup. You just want to get the, get to game time. So you try to take a deep breath during wake, simmer down a little bit and make sure we get into the routine of getting prepared. So you don't want to overemphasize. You've got to win this one. You've got to do this. You've got to do that. But we do know that in the conversations we've had in seasons past, when you get into a deficit, you get there till week four, five, six, seven, and you're trying to claw your way back into it. So this is something where the Colts are aware that 
They've been picked as one of the front runners. It's kind of Tennessee, Indianapolis with both the Houston Texans and Jacksonville being in, you don't want to call them rebuilding phases, but they are young teams, new head coaches to those organizations, young quarterbacks. So I think both teams are going to be a lot better than they were last year. Uh, but, you know, you you swept the Houston Texans last year. They're going to be better. They have Lovey Smith as a head coach. You know, they have Hep, Pep Hamilton as their offensive coordinator. Colts fans are well aware of what Pep Hamilton can do with a good young quarterback, right? Right, right. Um, you, you talked about Matt Ryan a little bit, and uh, you mentioned new pieces that we have on our, on our team and uh, uh, whatnot. Have you seen these guys since training camp? You've seen them in OTAs. Uh, and leading up until this point that uh, we're at right now, what are your expectations or what are some of the things that you saw over the course of the offseason that you expect to see to start the season off from the offense, one of from the the offensive standpoint? Offensively specifically, one of the things I'm looking to offensively is consistency. Matt is that presence. He is that calm. He is that center that you need within your offense. Just, you know, not only in the way that he runs things on the field, but in the conversations that he's having with guys in the meeting rooms about what he expects as a quarterback, where he expects guys to be, those different, you know, preferences and tendencies and how he wants this offense to operate. And the other thing about Matt Ryan is that he he has that poise, he has that command, but he also knows how to use the weapons around him and not force things. Use Jonathan Taylor. You know the weapon that you have with him. I'm so excited for the component that Naeem Hines is going to bring in. I think uniquely so, where not only do you have the quarterback who can integrate him in that way, but you also have Naeem experienced enough that he has the versatility and the knowledge of the offense that he brings where he can be a weapon in the run game and in the passing game. You you have some young, dynamic, emerging wide receivers who have a lot to prove. There was so much conversation, you know, this offseason. Are they going to bring in a veteran? What are they going to do? You know, they don't have a receiver who's old, over 25 years old. Michael Pittman Jr. is kind of, by many people's um, assumptions, the only proven weapon that you have. I think you're going to get a lot of consistency. And I mean, in terms of the balance between the run game and the passing game, I think balance in terms of spreading the ball around and the various targets you're going to get. Yeah, I mean, JT is going to get, the lion's share of those carries. Michael Pittman Jr. is certainly going to have a heavy workload, but I do think you're going to see some really even distribution among those other pieces. And when I say pieces and targets, I'm talking pass catchers in general, looking to that group of tight ends as well to complement the wide receivers that you have because you love what Jelani Woods has added to that group. And you got to think the departure of Jack Doyle has been huge. So that's a role too that you're going to have someone fill. Staying right there with the tight ends um, through training camp, um Ogletree was that big name that was coming out and now he's on he's on IR with that injury has there been anyone that has stepped up since that injury to really you know take control of that I, I understand that that Moali Cox is your tight end one but uh through all the practices and stuff has there been someone like has it been him has it been you know Jelani that has really stepped up and, and, and impressed at all in in the absence of Ogletree I do think that Jelani ascended toward the end of camp. He is certainly on a trajectory where he gained a lot of confidence. But of late, I feel like that I've seen even more opportunity for Kylan Granson. And he's a guy who I think will, a lot of people might be underestimating the contributions that he will make. 
uh, and, and not just in terms of receptions. He's a huge piece in the blocking game as well. I think he is going to see a lot of time on the field. He's going to play a significant amount of snaps because he's different than Mo and Jelani. He comes from that wide receiver type of background, but he's willing to do the dirty work. He has immersed himself in learning behind guys like Jack Doyle and Mo and learning within the group that he has. Clayton Adams, the tight ends coach, has spent a lot of time in the offseason working with those guys and, and coaching them up. And Kylan's confidence has really blossomed since last year. That's something he and I were talking about just a few weeks ago. So I do, I am excited for what it seems like Kylan's expanded role will be, in particular early on, too. Just to shift over to the defensive side of the ball, the most I thought you might side, go there. You know, the most <laughs> important side. Uh, we're talking about a coach defense for the past few years, been typically known as a top defense, been a pretty good defense. And then you add a Yannick, you add a Gilly. Uh, for for a, a quick moment, I want to talk about Gilmore for just a little bit. For whatever reason, fans, some people in the media has been saying that he's lost it a little bit off of last season, which the film that I watched, coming off an injury he looked fine you know covering the number one receivers and he still made a pro bowl and all these things like he looked like a guy that still that still is playing at a high level but you know coming off an injury I think that Gilly is still Gilly of old what have you seen this offseason leading up this point in Gilmore and what he's going to bring to this dynamic defense that we already have in camp he gave Matt Ryan some problems. I mean, it, it in a great way. It was fun. I mean, you're talking vet on vet right there. Exactly. And it was funny. There was a point in camp when Gilmore picked off Matt. And Matt said, yeah, unfortunately, that's not the first time I've seen him do that to me. Right? Like, I, I've seen this before, you know, where, where he's gotten an interception on me. And it was, it was a really fun moment. But, no, I, I agree. I, I think that there is always that criticism, in particular at two positions when you get to this point in your career. It's corner and it's wide receiver. When you get up there right around age 30, people are like just waiting for you and banking on the fact that your performance is going to start to taper off. If anything, I almost think the past two seasons that Gilmore has spent battling injury has allowed him to be a bit rejuvenated he hasn't worn his body down by playing 16 and 17 games those last two years it almost allowed him to find new life in a second chapter he's you know he feels healthy he's missed no time since he's been here whatsoever I think he's a good fit within this system enjoys integrating into the Gus Bradley system loves the guys who he is surrounded by with you know Kenny Moore Julian Blackman Nick Cross. I mean, you, that is a really uh, dynamic, athletic group that attacks the ball, likes to take the ball away. That has been, as you mentioned, the characteristic of the Colts defense. I expect you to, I mean, everyone is going to have that bar of how does he measure up to defensive player of the year level? I mean, and he can be an elite lockdown corner, but still not be in the defensive player of the year conversation. So I think that that is certainly he's giving you a level of cornerback play that you haven't typically had within this defense, aside from that unique position that Kenny Moore gives you, right? Being pro bowler last year in the nickel. Absolutely. I mean, going 
you, you as you said, you can be elite and not be listed as the best defensive player in How the How hard NFL. is it for a corner to be a defensive player of the year, right, Gerard? No, I, um, it, there was an argument on Twitter one time about uh, – it was like a ranking that came out with corners and who you mm-hmm. thought was this or that, and Gilly chimed in, well, I'm the only one that's won a defensive MVP, and nobody said a word after that. So – I, I agree with you. It's hard to live up to those expectations, but definitely can still be elite and locking down people uh, without being defensive MVP. One Absolutely. thing really quickly, um, you know, I, I noticed and in, in, in talking with guys like Kenny Moore and different things, he's like, that guy does not say a word. He just comes in, he works. I mean, unless he has something directed toward him in a meeting, he's listening. He's, I mean, he's not a guy who walks in with this, despite his incredible resume, there's no arrogance. There's no everyone should acknowledge what I've done. Zero bit of that. He is a consummate teammate. And one of the things I noticed in kind of peeking into team rooms here and there, Kenny Moore locks himself next to Gilly in those meetings. And he's, you know, looking at trying to take notes. Everyone is watching him and what he does and the way he conducts himself. And from the moment he walked in this, that, this door, incredibly professional and, you know, wants to win. Comes in with that mentality of, doing everything you need to do inside and outside of the building to not only perform at the level he expects, but to put his teammates at the level that they expect Mm -hmm. to be at and elevate the rest of the guys around him. And I think that speaks volumes for me. Man, there are so many things I could talk about on the defensive side of the football. Uh, There's so much there right now, including right now, Nick Cross coming in as a rookie, you know, he has really taken a lot of that, that spotlight right there. Um, you know, coming in and and taking that starter role and performing well in camp and 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 preseason, but then you got Julian Blackman sitting right beside him, coming off that injury. How has he looked so far, and what are the expectations from from the Colts for Julian Blackman this season? I've made this joke a few times that Julian Blackman is like Wolverine, like the the quickness with which he heals, like he just like regenerates. Like the guy had a torn ACL coming out of college, right? In their conference championship, uh, you know, gets drafted, ends up coming in by he's playing week three or week four rookie season. Then he tears his Achilles late October uh, last year. He's back. Um, and not even back for training camp. This guy was back at full strength in OTAs and mini camp. I mean, it's unbelievable what he's capable of doing. And he brings, I think that to his credit too, it's not only that he has genetically just gifts and, you know, physically is a, is just, you know, a unique athlete, a unique person in general, but mentality, he has a maturity about him and a poise. A lot of the communication within the defense that I noticed on the back end in that secondary was running through Julian Blackman. So I do think that there is with the role that he's been tasked with and the tutelage of Ron Miles, who is such a great defensive backs coach. I mean, when you look at the resume of talent that he has worked under or he's worked with and coached up, I do think that this is well suited for not only Julian's skill set but also his mentality, how smart he is, and the 
rapport he has with the rest of this defense, the way that he is able to communicate and put guys in proper position and then ability to execute. So I think that the ceiling is incredibly high for Julian. You want him to play a full 17 games. That's what you want. You want him to stay healthy because he is truly going to be a key component to the success that this defense is going to have this year. And Nick Cross, the guy turns 21 years old the day before he plays his first NFL game. Unbelievable. But one of the things I talked with Frank Reich about on our show this week was how methodical and routine he is about everything he does. That's one thing that Frank observed from the moment he walked in. It's he the way he goes about his day. He has it down to a science. And you know that being incredibly regimented is part of the key and probably something that most rookies struggle with because when you're in college, it's kind of all laid out. Your day is so structured. You have, you know, you have everything laid out for you, mapped out for you. So when you get to the NFL, it's kind of on your shoulders to take that upon yourself. So I'm excited for what Nick Cross does and what he will bring into this. But I do think a lot of the success of Nick Cross hinges on the dynamic with Julian Blackman back there as well and how those guys are able to communicate, feed off of each other, and respond in situations when plays are coming their way. All right, we're not going to just talk about the defense and not mention our captain in, in Shaquille. How has he looked in practice? I know there's been reports on, is he 80%? Is he 90%? <laughs> whatever the case may be. And I was telling Lawrence uh, on our last pod, I was like, this This is kind of the routine of teams of what they're going to do. I expect him to be 100% ready to go first game or he wouldn't be out there practicing at the moment. But what have you seen from uh, Shaquille and what is his expectations under Gus Bradley uh, leadership role and how he's going to fit within the defense now? He has been locked in, although there have been, of course, those times through camp prior to when he returned to the practice field last week. He wasn't out there, wasn't able to go through the motions. He was locked in on the sidelines, talking with guys, communicating with guys when you know, they would come off the field, he would be, you know, talking through things with them schematically, different things like that, giving them notes, giving them immediate feedback, you know, worth noting too, another addition into this defensive coaching staff, you have Cato June, the Colts legend who is here now working with that group of linebackers. So, you know, he has also brought something to that unit and those great defenses that he was a part of and inject a bit of that, uh, as well, that wisdom, you know, the, the, um, mentality that that defense played with, which I think Shaq thrives under, right? Having a guy like that to work with. So I I talked with him last week and had a very honest conversation with him because we heard him say he really hadn't been healthy since part of his rookie year. Going back to that 2018 season was the very first time he started battling some of these injuries. And he told me one of the things that he looks back to last season Toward the end of the year, he was not fully healthy and wasn't able to make the plays that he expects himself to make and that are are necessary for him to make for this defense to be successful. And he feels like he let this team down. He put that upon himself, just like any great captain does, right? When the team doesn't have the success, you look at, hey, where where did I fail the team? What was my role in this? And where do how do I respond from that? And one of the things that he said was he doesn't want to make that same mistake. He wants to look to if I need, if, if I am not in a position where I can do my job at the level that's expected of me, I need to think about 
long-term playing and being here and being at full strength weeks 14, 15, 16, 17. And, you know, although you have that pride of, I want to be ready, I want to play every single game. What good is that for my team if I am just out there and in a limited capacity? He goes, because I can't just go out and play half the snaps that I'm expected to. This is a guy who is at full speed every time he steps on the field. And because of the way he plays, I mean, we, we see it, right? He, there, he is just, he's, he's attacking. He's punching the ball out. He's taking guys to the turf. It's not a, you're not able to say, I'm going to dial it back to 70%. So I think that that is one of the things where you start to have that battle of, okay, how do we integrate him back in? Because he's going to need a little bit of time to get conditioned and to playing within game speed, game reps. But we also need to have, hey, he doesn't have to be 100% yet. There has to be an expectation of integrating him back in and when it makes sense to do that and then how much you're using him. Frank Reich said earlier this week it would make sense that you have him on you know, a bit of a pitch count, so to speak. But he also doesn't know with the nature of the entry, is it when he's clear, he's clear? Or is it, okay, no, he does have a certain level of playing back, you know, playing back to gain the confidence that he needs? Because we also have to remind ourselves, we're not just dealing with an ankle injury. He had a back procedure. That is nothing you want to rush back from. And you look at the weighing your options, right? Do we want to be sure that, do we want him out here week one? Week two? Sure we do, but what are we potentially costing ourselves later on? I do think that there is a chance that he's out there this week but it also wouldn't surprise me if he isn't and they do you know slow play this a little bit you know if he doesn't play in Jacksonville or sorry in Houston I think then you're kind of looking all right what is the workload potentially in Jacksonville and then all right let's try to get him really where we want him to be for that home opener against Kansas City could be one of the strategies I see if we don't have him available against the Texans but yesterday full participant in practice Yep. Let's go ahead and move this over to the actual game uh, as we're, you know, coming up on a half an hour now. This uh, against the Texans. Now, this is something that I want to something from both of you offensively. What do you guys think is going to be the key offensively to beating the Houston Texans in NRG Stadium this Sunday? Gerard? Uh, I mean, we got to give the ball to our best player, Jonathan Taylor. I mean, if our run game, uh, I mean, it's just when when you start a season off, I mean, typically offenses is, is a lot behind compared to where the defenses are at. So you, you can't go into the season or this first game just expecting the offense just to light it up. But when you have great players and Jonathan Taylor and those guys, you're going to make sure that we feature those guys enough to where we can get off to a good start and win this game. So I expect Jonathan Taylor to get the book load of the work, just like Laura said, and uh, expect him to run well, offensive line block well, and we're going to rely on the run until the offensive uh, guys on the perimeter wide receivers quarterback kind of figure it out but if it's something to where the run game is not where it needs to be at the moment and then we're stuck with trying to throw the ball here and there just off of the preseason on how we look it just might not fit bode well uh, at the start of the season just relying on the pass game so i expect the run game to uh i guess will us a way uh to win this this weekend for sure your key to the offense laura i 
uh, totally in agreement on that. Absolutely. Because you didn't see any of Jonathan Taylor in the preseason, right? When you were holding him back, rightfully so. He's ready. I mean, you think about a guy who is coming in on fresh legs, ready to go out and pick up right where he left off in that 2021 season. And I think this is a really good first test. Because when you look at the Texans, one of the strengths really of their roster is that defensive line. That's what you've kind of come to know and come to expect. Again, it's a Lovey Smith defense, right? So they're going to want to be imposing up front. And this is a great test for an offensive line that has some moving parts some different guys who are stepping into new roles from what you had last season. The offensive line has always been you know, a pillar of this roster. It has been a point of pride with what you have established with Quentin Nelson, Ryan Kelly, Braden Smith. Now you have Matt Pryor, Danny Pinter up there as well. So I think it's a really good test for those guys who are stepping into new starting roles on that old line. And you saw what this offense did last year at Houston, shut them out, right? With the run game. That was a huge component last year. So I do think that you can look to some of the success you had last year. Of course, different pieces, new quarterback, different guys on the offensive line. But I do think that you're going to see some of what made that game such a, such a success last year at Houston replicate a bit of that. And yeah, feed JT, feed the beast. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, last year, as you said, against the Houston Texans between both games, he averaged almost six and a half yards a carry. Six and a half yards a carry for two games, that's unreal. You gotta you gotta see if that is still there. Even I mean, yes, we have new pieces on ours, they have new pieces on their mm-hmm. defense, but you you gotta ride that. I, I I'm in full agreement with that as well. Let's move on to the defense. Uh Gerard, what what's your key to victory uh for the defense? Well, the first key, I'm not saying I'm Gus Bradley or anything, but every defensive meeting I've been in, the first thing that a defensive coach is going to tell you that we have to stop the run. I mean, the Houston Texans got a rookie running back, which uh, to be able to start as a rookie in the NFL shows a lot you know, of what you can do. So it's some high expectations at that position for them. So you got to think that he's going to be featured uh, in their offense and we got to stop the run defensively. But what make us thrive as a defense is turnovers. That, that's what we do all preseason, every game. It was just like, man, two turnovers, three turnovers, like just turnovers galore. Uh, so I think stopping the run and then just getting the ball back to our offense because the more reps that our offense get early, the, the quicker they can come uh, become comfortable with one another or comfortable within the scheme. Matt Ryan can feel great about his receivers, the more reps that he can get in these live situations. So I feel like if we stop the run and then we get a couple turnovers, I think that will bode well for a win as well. Well, I think one of the things you lacked last year and you lacked in the past few seasons was attacking the quarterback, sacks, pressures off the edge. This is Yannick Ngakwe's time to shine and really flash what he is capable of because you do, I mean, Davis Mills is a good young quarterback. He's certainly going to be better in his second season. And this is a stat that Matt Taylor brought up on our podcast this week. Last year, Davis Mills set a Texans rookie record for passing yards and completed 67%, nearly 67% of his passes. So to me, pressure early and often is going to be a huge key, not just in terms of winning this game, but establishing the identity of what the Indianapolis Colts defense is going to be moving forward. Because you had such a great foundation under Matt Eberflus of taking the ball away and being this type of really dynamic um 
dynamic defense that was, you know, ball hawking and forced a ton of turnovers. Now you want to see how the complement is there with the pressure you get up front, because we know last year, DeForest Buckner was double teamed. I mean, the majority of times that he saw the field, right? So now when you do have, now you have to pay a lot more attention to the rest of the guys on that front. Another year with Quiddy Pay. He spent time this offseason working out with DeForest Buckner uh, and, and utilizing that and then listening, learning under Yannick Ngakwe. So I expect that entire defensive front uh, to take a leap this season. I think that starts this week with the opportunity that you have. See, my key is very – it, it kind of rolls in with both of you guys. Mine is all about this attacking defensive line scheme with – with Nate Ollie and Gus Bradley, where they 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 want all four guys to get penetration, get pressure. I want to see this come into effect for an entire game. I want to see these because when they get in the backfield, not only do they get uh, pressures and sacks, but you've seen what happens in in the Tampa Bay game when these guys are able to get back there. They get to the running back at the handoff. Right and 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 make tackles for law. You get all kind of disruption when you get this. If you don't, if this does not work, then you have issues, right? Mm-hmm. Then you put the the pressure on those linebackers and the defensive backs. If your defensive line can't do what the scheme is asking you to do, I want to see these guys be uh, be able to do exactly what they're asked to do. That to me is the key on on the defensive side. So. <clears throat> Let's talk about uh, something else real quick about about this game. Gerard, is there anything uh, before we get into predictions or whatnot? Is is there is there uh, something you want to ask? No, just uh, on this game, I'm uh, the wide receiver position. I'm looking forward to just seeing who kind of stands out. I know everybody's expecting Pittman to kind of build off of last season uh and it's going to be a good matchup with a rookie corner and Derek Stingley over there who's you know mm-hmm. highly touted top five draft pick so I'm, I'm excited to see those guys butt heads a little bit and uh get this thing back back started so absolutely Lara is there anything you want to add before we get into this I think just offensively one of the things I'm looking forward to is to see a couple guys gain confidence to see Paris Campbell come back he and Matt Ryan established a clear connection in training camp, I know that Matt came in over the course of the summer and he and Paris spent time together. I mean, Matt did that consistently with a lot of different guys, even when they were away from the facility. But they spent a few weeks, had several throwing sessions together between the two of those guys. Paris coming off the injury issues that have loomed over him since the beginning of his Colts career. I would like to see Paris Campbell. Alex Pierce get involved early and just start to get those guys rolling, establish a bit of chemistry, establish some continuity with those guys so that they're gaining confidence early. Awesome. That, that is a good point as well. Now getting into our predictions. Um, I I think the Colts are favored by what? Seven, seven and a half, something like that in this game. Um, Gerard, first off, do they cover? And, and, and what do you think the, uh, the final outcome will be? I think they cover, and I think final outcome, 28-17. I'll say 17. Okay. All right. That's that's a 
more close than what a lot of people are predicting, believe it, for Colts fans, anyhow. Yeah. know how the first game of the season is going to go. Everybody's healthy. Everybody's at full strength. Everybody got the same goal at the, at the moment. So it's not like it's week 10, week 12, where, you know, some guys are looking forward to vacation and some guys are looking forward to the playoffs. Right now, everybody's got the same mindset, same goal. So I expect to see some close games over the weekend just around the board. And the other thing is, everybody's got something up their sleeve. You don't really know what everyone's going to come out Mm -hmm. with, how everyone is going to look, because you disguise so much in the preseason. It's going to look entirely different. So there's always a, you know, um, I feel like a steeper adjustment in game when you have to use that first quarter or so figuring out what they're going to come with. And then you adjust accordingly because you don't have, you know, a, a vast uh, sample size to really pull from, especially when you have a team like Houston that does have so many young new pieces that mm-hmm. they're working with. It. So that's something that's really interesting there. I uh, just my prediction. I kind of joked on on the podcast with Matt Taylor and with JJ Stangovitz earlier this week. I said this game, this this win. I just want it to be like a basic turkey sandwich just like white bread plain turkey just a little slice of american you know not even any no mustard no mayo nothing just enough to satiate the appetite take care of business don't do a ton of the extras you don't have to add a lot of you know extravagant things on with your aiolis and your avocado and (laughs) you know your fancy ciabatta bread just like take care of business get it done walk out with the victory, you know, and and just get it, you know, put that one behind you and start moving on and kind of lay a solid foundation for the rest of the season. Absolutely. Yeah. I like that as well. Lay that base before dinner time. (laughs) I got myself. So I like that. Now now you making me hungry, man. (laughs) Um, My, my prediction is very similar. Um, I, I don't think that they're going to show a whole lot. I think as you said, you know, maybe after the first quarter, they might change a few things, throw a few wrinkles in to try to, you know, make sure that they get the the win, which is most importantly. But I don't think that they show too much um, because obviously you still got the rest of the season. You don't want to show too much of your hand, but you still want to get the victory. Um, I like your score, Gerard. Um, I'm going to go a little bit higher to – uh, Lara's point, I do think the Texans do score because you don't know, you know, uh, what they're going to be doing. I think they could get around 17 to 21, uh, like what you're saying, Gerard. But I, I think I think Indy is going to score enough. I, I think we're, we're going to get pushed right back into the about, I'm going to say 31, right? Okay. 31 points. I think that's that sounds fair. 31-17, that's, that's a typical NFL score. I like that. All right, all right. Well, thank you so much, Lara. Won't you please tell everybody where they can find you? Hey, I appreciate it. Always great to catch up with you guys. It is at Lara Overton on Twitter, on Instagram, at L-A-R-R-A-O-V-E-R-T-O-N. So follow along. I'll be back on the sidelines with our radio broadcast team in Houston. I'll have a pregame conversation with Coach Reich that will be up on the Colts platforms. And then um, all over the state of Indiana, Colts 360 airs on Saturday nights and then again on Sunday morning. So be sure to check out your, your guides and find that, watch it, tune in, or I'll, of course, call to YouTube and all of our social platforms as well. Absolutely. Make sure you guys give her a follow and stay tuned for all the stuff that she's going to bring this year for Colts.com. And until next time, I'm Lawrence Owen. That's Gerard Powers with special guest Lara Overton. 
This was Believe in Colts brought to you by Bet Online. And until next time, as usual, go Colts. Do you believe? Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube.